This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. To a bonus episode of the Keeping Carlson Fancy Hockey Podcast, the best fancy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys on Eric Carlson and their keeper pools. This is just Elon here, not Brian, because I've got a special interview to present. I've got with me, so I shouldn't have said just Elon here. It's not just me, it's me and the great Peter Harling from Dauber Prospects Radio, a great podcast about prospects. And we've got him here to talk about all of the rookies going into this season. Wanted to squeeze this one in before puck drop on Wednesday. Peter, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. I love coming on the KK Show. Yeah, I feel like, first of all, I love having you here. Every time we have you, people always really enjoy it. Because for some reason, our listeners love hearing about rookies. And I can understand it for people in keeper leagues. But I feel like even people who are in a one-year league are so excited about these new players. We're getting all these tweets today. There was news that Cody Glass is going to be playing on the second line in Vegas to start the season. I got so many tweets like, oh, should I drop this guy for Cody Glass? Should I, drop I had one question. Should I drop Reinhardt for Cody Glass? I was like, whoa, hold your horses, but maybe not. So I guess you'll uh, tell us your thoughts on all of these rookies, including Cody Glass. So I actually heard you do a podcast, Peter. Uh, like I guess it was at the beginning of this month on Dauber Prospects Radio where you ranked a whole bunch of rookies in terms of like what your thoughts were in their chances to win the Calder this year. And I just thought, oh, I'd love to just kind of bring that over to our show. So what do you think? Maybe you could just like run down a bunch of rookies, give your thoughts, and then in the end, maybe we could each pick a Calder candidate? Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, the, the rookie talk definitely gains a lot of buzz this time of year because people are going into their fantasy drafts and, you know, it's it doesn't take a rocket scientist to pick um, Connor McDavid over Milan Lucic. But if you're trying to decide if you want to take, you know, Cal McCarr over um, Adam Fox, then, you know, you've never seen any of these guys play, then you need some help. Right. So that's where their attention to, to rookies comes in pretty hard this time of year. So um, this is like my Christmas kind of season, sort of <laughs> this in the draft. That's so fun. And so what is it about rookies? Like, how are you such a rookie expert? Like, I listen to you on Dauber Prospects every time you put out a show. Like, are you watching these games? Or, or how do you know so much about these players who haven't played NHL games? Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, as when I was the managing editor for Dauber Prospects, I was uh, the day job that I had at the time had me uh, traveling on the road in eastern Ontario a lot. So I was at a lot of live hockey games. I was seeing Frontenac's games in my hometown and Pete's games and 67's games and Gatineau games and uh, I get to a few Belleville AHL games. So one of the advantages of living in Ontario is, is you have access to a variety of leagues and depending on what city and part of the country in Canada you live in, you get access to a wide spectrum of hockey. Um, so there's that and uh, being on staff with Dauber also gives us access to the streaming accounts for CHL Live and AHL Live. So I get to watch games uh, on TV that way as well. And 
yeah, man, I'm just a nerd about it. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't get to watch all of these players play, especially some of the European ones are, are certainly more challenging. And I haven't really mastered the live streaming aspect because I keep getting my computer infected doing that <laughs> with pop ups. So, yeah, I tend to stick to a lot more uh, live in North American viewings. Yeah, but I'm assuming you're just following along with uh, what the other people are saying about the players that you can't specifically watch. It's so funny. So tomorrow, when I'm going to be watching Leafs versus Sens, you'll be watching some AHL game or an OHL game? No, I'll probably be watching Leafs versus Sens, too. Okay. So it's opening night in the NHL. It's, you know, got to scratch that itch. Okay, that's fair. All right, so we might as well get into it because there's so many exciting rookies to talk about. In your episode, you sort of broke them down into different tiers. So how about I'll just throw it to you and you can start throwing some names at me and then we can talk about them. Yeah, sure. So um, I had different tiers, but then basically what I did was I just I just ranked them from about 24 to 1. So the top about 25 players and spoiler alert, the guy that finished number one isn't actually eligible for the Calder trophy. Um, I guess it's his first year in the NHL, but because he's 27, he's he's too old to be classified as a rookie. But um, he's so fantasy relevant that I I just said, screw it, and I threw him on the list anyways. Uh, so starting at the bottom and, and working our way up, some of the the way I, I looked at, at ranking was um, it's for Calder contention or first-year fantasy impact. So if you're in a dynasty league, there's some players that will be lower on the bottom of the list that didn't rank very high on this list because they just don't have that great of an opportunity this year, maybe because their team's rubbish or they've got a lot of players that are um, roster blockers for them, or they're on a team that has a lot of prospects, so there's a lot of competition for limited roster spots. Um, and the guys that ranked higher um, might might have a better pedigree, um, or might be players that look to be like a lock for uh, a more impactful roster position, or you know have a, a favorable line combination that um, this early in the year looks like what they'd be leading into. So... Uh, near the bottom of the list, um, the guy that I ranked last was uh, Ellie Tolvanen, Nashville uh, Predators prospect. So he has a high pedigree. He was a pretty decent draft pick, first round pick. And there was a lot of buzz about this guy uh, a few years ago when he was tearing up the KHL with his uh, with the Finnish team that he played for. And then he played for Finland at the World Juniors, and he had a really strong showing there. And he made the World Championship team. And last year... He came over to uh, at the end of that season. He came over and uh, wasn't quite able to crack Nashville's um, uh, roster for the playoffs. But everyone had huge high expectations for him last season. Right. And he kind of underwhelmed there. Um, played mostly in the AHL, went back to the World Juniors again for Finland and couldn't score a goal there. So he had a bit of a, a setback last year. And, and this is a situation of a player who I think also has some competition for making the roster. Uh, yeah, he's he, got has, he was cut uh, a yeah. week ago, so he'll need an injury or something to even get in contention. Right, and, and Nashville's a, they're a contender, right? They've got a lot of a lot of forwards, and even if you're a player that's that's cut at the start of the year, it doesn't mean you're you're banished for the season, right? Like these guys are waiver exempt, so they can they can go up and down a whole bunch of times throughout the season. So if you have a prospect that you're super high on and he's, he's cut to start the season, um, I don't give up hope on them. There's still a really good chance that they could play north of 60 games this season. Yeah, that makes sense. Though I guess uh, probably we could give up hope on him winning the Calder Trophy. Because uh, has there ever been a Calder winner that didn't start the season in the NHL? That's a good trivia question, maybe. There you go. We'll throw that out to the, to the listeners in the chat group, maybe. 
And, and do you mind if we just jump around a little bit, not go exactly in order? Because since we're on Nashville, I'd love to bring up another rookie that I remember you mentioned, uh, Dante Fabro on defense. And I feel like a lot of us, myself included, are, uh, you know, like I'm in the league where I've drafted, like I, I'm pretty happy with my forwards, but I could use an upgrade on D and Fabro's a free agent in all of my leagues. Uh, so I'm kind of curious to know, is there a diamond in the rough there? Is this a guy who could come in, maybe take over a little bit of what PK Subban was doing now that he left the team and make an impact? Yeah, totally. I think he is a underrated prospect and he played in NCAA. So um, I think a lot of the people like the vast majority of listeners to my podcast are Canadians. And it's just very, very difficult for us to get access to NCAA games north of the 49th. Right. So I think the uh, NCAA players are are often hidden gems and guys like um, Cal McCarr get all kinds of fanfare and buzz and you see these guys play for team canada on international tournaments and whatnot um so so they get a little bit of attention that way but dante fabro i think he made um pk suban expendable he's only 45 percent fan tracks owned um when i did my research for for my podcast a few weeks ago um but i think he's kind of a lock for a top four roster spot for nashville this season and power play two unit and uh hey man if they you know if an injury happens that's an opportunity for him to step up, up into an even bigger role. Um, but he's a player that uh, played for Boston University. Uh, really, really, really good college career. Great pedigree. Highly regarded in the scouting and prospect community. Um, and I think his fan tracks ownership is, is really surprising that it's, it's so low. And the fact that he's a free agent in a lot of your leagues uh, is a tremendous opportunity to add to yourself, uh, add your, to your roster, a uh, top four player. Yeah, so it's very interesting and like definitely a guy, if you don't have room for him now or you want to wait and see something, at least have him on your watch list. I'm looking at the most recent Lime combos that were tweeted out. And yeah, he's a second pairing defenseman. I'm seeing like Roman Yosi playing with Ryan Ellis and then Matthias Ekholm with Dante Fabro. And Fabro also was lining up on the second power play with uh, not nobody's. Mikhail Granlund is there. Kyle Turris. So who knows how much time they'll get. But uh, yeah, he, he could have a decent season. I don't know, like, I, I guess we shouldn't go crazy. Not like, you know, 35, 40 points. Maybe around 30 is a thing you could maybe expect for him in a rookie season. Yeah, um, I did a point projection uh, average for all these players, too, combining what the Dauber Prospects report had for them and uh, my favorite print magazine, uh, The Forecaster, had for them. And then I had my own forecast for them. And uh, at I averaged it out, and the average Faber was 27 points. So, yeah, you're right on the money there. 20, uh, 30 points is, is not out of the realm of possibility for him as a rookie defenseman, which is kind of great. Okay, and yeah, I guess I should make this the Dante Fabro show, but I am just really curious, like, do you know anything about his peripherals? Like, is he a sh- hits or blocks kind of guy, or mainly only offense? Uh, no, he's more of a transition kind of a player, so he's reliable defensively, and uh, he's got decent size, you know, six six foot 190 in that neighborhood, um, but he's he's not a bangers and mash. I don't have to reference Keeping Carlson, because I'm on Keeping Carlson when I say <laughs> bangers and mash. Uh, no, he's not. he's not so much a banger, no. Okay. All right. So there's Nashville and their two potential rookies. Uh, who do you got next on your list? Uh, there's a lot of players on uh, Detroit that I think are, are interesting to talk about. Uh, two particularly, Philip Zadina and Taro Hirose. Uh I give both these guys a lot of lip service on on uh, on my podcast. Um, I, I like the Philip Zadina long-term upside if you're in a dynasty league. Uh, but if you're looking for more of an immediate return on your investment, and I think you're going to look at Taro Hirose. Uh So Hirose is another one of those players that's coming out of the NCAA. Um, he was never drafted. 
so he is a free agent signee. He played out his four years of eligibility, and um, I think he won the uh, Hobie Baker Award. No, 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 that was McCarr. But he was a nominee for the Hobie Baker, and he led the league in scoring um, last season in his uh, senior year. He has the potential to be the highest scoring undrafted American college free agent um, signee in NHL history. I think Tyler Bozak has that title right now. I think he's the best NCAA free agent, um, not counting guys that were drafted and played out their eligibility and then signed as free agents after that. So he was never drafted. And I think Tyler Bozak is is the best player of that example. But he's probably going to have the opportunity to surpass Tyler Bozak's status in fantasy hockey. Um, he played, I think, his 10 games and had seven points at the end of last season, which is a, a pretty good first impression. Um, I wouldn't count on that point pace carrying through uh, <laughs> his full his first full season as a rookie in the NHL, but uh, he's certainly looking like a player that has the opportunity to be a, a top six option for Detroit this year. Yeah, and hey, like, don't sleep on this Taro Hirose because right now, I, so maybe like you'll do your spiel and then I'll look at like some latest line combos that I'm seeing because that's kind of where my head's at right now going into the season. It's so exciting to actually see practice lines being tweeted out that actually matter. Like, these are the practice lines for game one, not for random exhibition games. But yet, uh, they're actually, I was surprised when I saw Detroit. So, yeah, Taro Hirose, third line, so nothing too special, but with Andreas Athanasiu. So, it's kind of a weird setup. Maybe I would even call that the second line Athanasiu, Glenn Denning, Hirose, and then Ernie Nielsen and Phil Pula is another line and then obviously Larkin, Mantha, Tyler Bertuzzi but then the big shocker to me was power play one at the last practice Larkin, Bertuzzi, Mantha Taro, Hirose, and Dennis Chalowski. Is it both Hirose and Chalowski? I was like, what? What are they doing there? But it looks like they're trying to spread things around. And I think I heard about Chalowski being there over Green or Hironic was having to do with like his handedness and how he like fits in better there. So who knows how long that'll last. But hey, however long Taro Hirose is on the top power play, that's obviously going to help him get points. So yeah, decently good sleeper. If you're in a deep league, you might want to take a look at him while he's on the PP1. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It'll last as long as he produces. Um, I'm I had him down for 40 points this season, which uh, which is fantasy relevant in yeah. deep leagues. Yeah. Uh, now, on the other hand, Philip Zidina, uh, he's already been cut by Detroit, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's right. Um, and uh, so I had him down for 20 points. So he'll get some he'll get some face time in the NHL this year. Uh, he played all season in the AHL last year and, and was was pretty good there. Um, I don't have his stats in front of me. Um, no, I don't. Uh, but he was great, and he'll get a cup of coffee in the NHL this year at the very least. Um, and then, you know, what he does with that will determine if it if it turns into a, a full-time gig going forward. But like I said at the beginning, um, the short-term play would be Teo Rosie, and the long-term play would be Philip Zadina between the two of them out of Detroit. That makes sense. Well, just based on Zadina's draft pedigree, he had 35 points in 59 games in the AHL last year with Grand Rapids, which I guess is good. Uh, it's like, I guess I, I'm always not sure how to read it because sometimes you see these players coming into the NHL and you look at their junior numbers and they're like insane, like 100 points in 60 games or something. So here it's definitely not that, but also he was like super young and he's playing in a league with older people. So hopefully he's matured. He's still only 19 years old as of now. So another year in the minors is definitely nothing to be alarmed about if you're a Zadina owner in like a dynasty league. Right. Another cautionary tale that I would throw out there, if you're looking at previous season stats and you're looking at players who you know come from junior or, or college and play a, a handful of games at the end of last season. And, you know, Tara Horozzi is an example of that, a guy that played 10 games and had seven points. And you're like, shut the front door. This guy is going to be a 60 point player. Like, just 
tap the brakes, right? Especially if they go from junior to the AHL and light it up in the AHL because uh, it's a very, very small sample size. And in a lot of cases, they're playing in a situation where there's nothing to play for anymore at the end of the season, right? The team that, that they're going up to could be, you know, already eliminated from the playoffs or already have a position locked, which allows them uh, the lion's share of the ice time in games that don't matter. Um, so they put up some great points. But then when you reset the clock and now they're playing from the start of the season and games are, are relevant and games matter, they might go from like 15 minutes a game to like seven. Um, right. And their production just and the the role, their line mate options diminish significantly. Um, so while it looked like at a small sample size at the end of last season that this guy's going to be gangbusters, you might be really disappointed with what they actually do in a <laughs> full-time basis in, the, in their first full season. That makes sense. So you're saying that Ryan Paling isn't going to get 200 goals next year based on his one hat trick in one game last year? I'm, I'm going to put my reputation on the line and say I 100% confirm that's not going to happen. Okay, yeah. Well, he actually got sent to the minors also, so we don't have to worry about him right now. Though, <laughs> can I just, now you've given this great advice, and now can I kind of like challenge it a little bit? Because there's one player who kind of fits that bill that a lot of people are really excited about, and that's Victor Olofsson in Buffalo, because he came up at the end of last season, played six games, four points in six games, but the real exciting thing is he was playing with Jack Eichel at even strength and on the power play. He was playing with Eichel and Sam Reinhardt, and then, you know, going over the summer, like, we probably were all just assuming, yeah, I mean, yeah, Olafson, maybe he'll make the team, maybe he'll be something, but obviously it's going to be Skinner, Eichel, Reinhardt, but no, this whole preseason, Olafson has been playing with Eichel and Reinhardt at both even strength and on the power play, along with Skinner and Dahlin. So he's had great deployment. He's had a great preseason. Like, it's just looking so exciting for this Victor Olofsson guy. So I know you were saying, don't get too excited, but I can't help myself. Like, I feel like he should be owned in every league. So I'll need you to talk me down from this. Sure. So here's here's some more uh, advice on how to read the tea leaves. Uh, remember Brendan Bachensky? Uh, I think Brian does. That's a senator, right? Yeah, so he, like, led the NHL in preseason. He was really good friends with Jason Spezza, and they lit up the pre... He led the NHL in preseason scoring. And I remember fantasy drafts. People were... This was, like, just before the pizza line, right? And so Spezza was, like, a 100-point player, and people were taking him in, like, second and third rounds of drafts, and he didn't make the team. Um, so you got to look at the, the bigger picture sample size. So Victor Olsson is having a, a great preseason and he's playing with premier uh, line mates and he's having a great opportunity and full credit to him. He's taking advantage of it. Um, so does that mean he's a legitimate player or does it mean he's a branded Pachensky? So you back it up a little bit more. It's like, OK, so where was he last season and what did he do all year last year? So for the most part, last season, he played in the AHL and I don't have his stats in front of me, but I can assure you that he did very, very well enough to catch my attention because I picked him up in my uh, Dauber Prospects Fantasy Hockey League and added him as a free agent. And it looks like that's going to pay off for me. So if you're just looking at the preseason stats, you're 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 doing yourself a, a disservice. You got to look at the bigger picture. What's his um what's his trajectory? Where does he come from? Uh, is this sustainable? Is is this like a flash in the pan, or is this you know he's been trending this way for a while now, and this is he's about to break out? Um, so with, for Victor Olofsson, I'd say it's more the latter than he's a branded Bachensky. So um, I think your enthusiasm in him is not misplaced. 
Ah, all right. So yeah, if I could find any odds to bet on the Calder, I'd love to put like a, if you know, if the odds like 100 to 1 on Olaf, then I'd put down like $10 and oh. see, see whoa, how that looks. Whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not saying he's going to win the Calder trophy, but I'm saying it's a very good chance that he'll uh, make the opening night roster, uh, play on a, a prominent top six role and, and have a fantasy relevant season. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Calder trophy? Not necessarily. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm saying if it's 100 to 1 odds, but yeah, I think we're on the same page here. I say grab him, hold him as long as he's with Eichel and Reinhardt on the top line and top power play. By the way, 63 points in 66 games last year for Olafson with Rochester. So that makes right. Philip Zadina's numbers look like absolute absolute garbage. So uh, get out of here. Even oh, though also Olafson's fired. <laughs> Olafson's older. He's 24 compared to Zadina being 19. So maybe you could give him a pass there. Okay, so that's definitely a guy to watch. Uh, who, who do you got next on your list? Uh, let's see. Let's keep a few. Uh, two players that, uh, here we go, Owen Tippett and and you already mentioned Ryan Paling. So these are some players that I think are kind of interesting. I had them both projected for about 26 points. So making the team uh, potentially, um, uh, you already said the Paling hasn't, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that he'll get some, some ice time with the Habs in the NHL this season. Owen Tip is a really interesting player too. He's a he's a guy that when I was watching him in the OHL, I was loving him. So I'm not sure how familiar you are with him as a player, but uh, he's kind of big. Uh, he's got an amazing release on his shot. He's just a pure sniper, and the kid's got wheels. Like he is super fast. Uh, so what are like two of the the hottest commodities in the NHL right now? It's um, it's your sniping ability and your speed right those are those translate well into the nhl so i was like pretty hyper about this player and i was ranking him very high and then uh craig button came on our podcast as a guest and kind of threw some cold water on that for me and he he pointed at some things that i hadn't really picked up on on my own and and after he mentioned those i started watching them too and um uh, I feel like he was kind of right on the money like he he usually is he's a very uh intuitive scout um when he doesn't have the puck, he's not impacting the game at all. Uh, so that's a bit of a problem. And I think last year he worked on that really, really closely. He went back to, uh, after his draft. He, he made Florida and he, he stayed up for about 12 games and he played in about uh, seven of them, I think it was. And then they sent him back to junior. Uh, and this last season, he just he went right to junior right out of training camp. He didn't make the team at all. Uh, and he played the full season in the OHL. He got traded to Saginaw and uh, really rounded out his game quite nicely, actually. Uh, so addressed some of those concerns. So I, I'm not sure if he's made the team this year or not, uh, or if he will. But uh, I'm certain that he'll get some some NHL time because he's turning pro full time this year. Uh, so a little bit of time in the AHL adjusting couldn't hurt. Um, but he's a player that uh, he, he's moving back up. He's moving the needle back up positive uh, in a positive direction for me. Okay, well, yeah, so he didn't make the team. It looks like a couple days ago he sent, got sent down to Springfield of the yeah. AHL. Uh, so same with Ryan Paling, but maybe these are guys who can make an impact at some point if they come up. Though I'd imagine uh, it'll be tough for Owen Tippett to do too much on a Florida team without an injury, right? Like that top six is pretty full. Though I say that, but at the same time, Dennis Malgin, I think, was playing on line two with Trocek and Hoffman. So maybe that could be a spot that someone like Owen Tippett could step into if like something happens. But anyways, we, we can worry about that when the time comes. Seems like uh, Paling and Owen Tippett aren't guys to worry about right now in terms of players to look at 
in one-year leagues, maybe in the future, though there is a guy in Montreal that we definitely need to talk about in Nick Suzuki, right? Because he has definitely made the team. He's been looking amazing. It looks like he's going to be playing on a line with Max Domi to start the year. Like, everyone is going cuckoo bananas over Nick Suzuki. So I'm very <laughs> curious to know your thoughts on him. Uh, yeah, so he did not make my list. Uh, a month ago when I made this, I wasn't anticipating he was going to make the team. And I'm still not convinced he's going to make the team because he's got... Um, uh, Oh, wait, maybe I think he was brother that's minor eligible. Uh, anyways, I was watching some highlights of preseason games, and he stood out a couple of times. So he's not looking at a place at the NHL. He scored the uh, game-winning goal. I think it was in overtime, a real nifty wraparound that looked really great. Um, yeah, Montreal, I'm not really sure where he's going to fit in on their depth chart. Uh, he certainly has the uh, Philip Zadina long-term game to his uh to his file he's a player that you want to own in dynasty keeper leagues how much of an impact he'll have this year uh really remains to be seen i would tap the brakes on uh him as a a calder candidate um but certainly a long-term fantasy play for sure Huh, like I don't, I don't know, Peter. I guess, I guess we'll see. Maybe we'll, we'll agree to disagree. Like I think things are looking really good. So, like he has made the team, and currently the the lines as of their practice today. This is good. Like this is why we can work together because you've been paying attention to Nick Suzuki for like the past five years, and I've been paying attention to him for like the last two weeks. So combined, <laughs> we've got like full knowledge of this guy. But yeah, it looks like the Habs practice today. They were going with Tatar, Dano, Gallagher. So their great uh, line, which maybe Brian was right. He was. He and I had an argument over the summer about whether that's the top line or the second line on Montreal. Now it seems like people are talking about Tatar, good to know Gallagher is the top line on Montreal. But then, yeah, the next line, Domi, Suzuki, and Lekkonen, and then poor Jonathan Druin all the way on the third line with Kotkaniemi and Armia. And I think Suzuki was also playing on the power play with Domi, so... Like, he's going to get a chance. Like, obviously, he gets sent down after 12 games or whatever. It sounds like that's what you're predicting. But, yeah, he had that great training camp. He had four points in five games, for whatever that's worth, of exhibition games. And, yeah, I'm very excited to see what he can do. He's definitely getting an opportunity if he's going to be playing with Max Domi. Yeah, so he, he's he's turning pro this year for sure. So he's either uh, with Montreal or Laval. So it looks like he's made the Canadians to start the season. Um and he's a center, so uh, are you saying he's on the wing? Yeah, yeah, he's been playing on Domi's wing. Right, so that makes more sense for a rookie to break into the NHL on the wing. Um, hey, time, preseason's one thing. Time will tell, right? If he keeps producing during regular season, then he ain't going nowhere. Um, go. But if he kind of, you know, if he kind of hits the skids a little bit once the competition heats up and gets a little bit tougher, then then we'll see. Yeah, maybe he could swap with Paling at some point. Yeah, maybe. There's a bunch of players on Montreal, too, that are, uh, or sorry, not Montreal, Ottawa, that are uh, interesting to talk about. They've got a super deep prospect pool. Um, Logan Brown is one. He was sent down. That was a bit of a surprise to me. I thought that he would be more likely to start the season in the AHL, or sorry, the NHL, than, than the AHL, just because the competition in Ottawa is, is a little thin, right? Like, what's he looking at as his competition at center? It's uh, Josh Norris. You got Pajot and Tyranny for sure. Um, Colin White is probably in the top three there. And then, you know, Norris and Klapik are his, his competition. Yeah, I could uh, read to you the today's practice lines for the Sens. We'll see how many players our listeners and maybe even you have heard of here. Uh, it was looking like Kachuk, uh, Connor, Brown, and white on the top line so colin white by the way centering the top line he's not a rookie but uh there's a guy who, who might be available in your leagues and as someone you know how often can you find a top line top power play center but anyways who knows? so so far there's there's one fantasy relevant player and out of that 
list so far off the first line. <laughs> okay. I think Colin White's someone to look at, but okay. Fair enough. Maybe. Yeah. Then we've got a uh, Duclair, Tierney and Bobby Ryan. Uh, then Tyler Ennis. Did you know Tyler Ennis was on <laughs> the Sens now? So yeah. Him. Oh, and Artem Anisimov, another new arrival. And then Drake Batherson, who I know you talked about on your podcast. We'll get to him in a sec. And then the last line, we've got like a Bodker, Peugeot, and Sabarin. And there you go. That's our 12 forwards on Ottawa. Logan Brown couldn't beat out any of those guys, apparently. Though maybe it's mm. like, save him, the, save him the trouble of having to play on a team like that for this year. Well, Logan Brown is top six or he's not on, on the team. Yeah, that's fair. But uh, Drake Batherson, he's a guy who I've been kind of excited about. Like, he had that great year in the AHL uh, last year. He has made the team. Uh, he's not on the top line. I'd love to see, like, Batherson, White, Kachuk. But I guess Connor Brown is the guy getting that spot there for now. But what do you think of Batherson's chances to make an impact this year? Uh, I like them a lot. Uh, I don't think he has very much competition for a top six role on a wing in Ottawa. Uh, he's produced at every level he's played at in the last couple of years, from junior to world juniors to AHL to the NHL. Last season, he produced when he was with the Sens. So I'm, I'm, and he does a little bit of everything too, right? Like he's got good size. He plays an abrasive game. He's good, responsible defensively. He thinks the game well. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a really big fan and believer of, of his game and ability to make an impact. Uh, so I think he's top six, barring injury all season long on the Senators. And I think you'd be looking at north of 40 points this year for him. Nice. Um, yeah, he's legit. Okay, so people keep that in mind. Add him to your watch list along with Dante Fabros. Guys, if they weren't drafted, at least keep him close by in case he starts doing something. And then also on the Sens, I'm assuming you want to talk about Eric Brandstrom over on defense, the guy who came back from Vegas for the Mark Stone trade. Yeah, uh, he's only 75% fan tracks owned, and he is uh, he's a modern-day NHL defenseman. He transitions offense very well, skates the puck with authority. He's very creative playmaker, dynamite on the power play. He's got uh, really great stick-handling abilities. I mean, I, I put him, he's only 75% owned, but I put him right up in the same kind of tier as Cam McCarr and Quinn Hughes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like in terms of long-term potential or even like yes. what you think he could do this year? No, long-term potential because, you know, he's playing for the center. So if, yeah. you're, if your league has plus minus, then, you know, stay away, uh, especially if it's a one-year league. But if you're in a dynasty league, yeah, he, he's got the upside of, of, a, of a user or Makar for sure. Wow. Okay. So keep your eye on him. He he made the team. He's going to be looking like at least as of today's practice lines. I, I'm referring to a tweet by Brent Wallace, uh, Brandstrom and Hainsey on the second pairing behind Shabbat and Zaitsev. So, yeah. I mean, what else is his competition? Willannon, Demello, Borvietsky, Hainsey. Like, yeah. <laughs> why wouldn't Why wouldn't you play him top four minutes? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, he'll be a fun yeah. guy to watch. That's the thing with the Sens. They might not be great this year, but it'll be fun to see how some of these young players do. Hopefully they won't spend too much time showing us Tyler Ennis and Artem Anisimov and Chris Tierney and Bobby Ryan and guys like that. I want to see the young players if they're going to lose anyways. Uh, okay, ready to uh, get to your next player? Uh, sure, let's stick on uh, D and let's talk a little Adam Fox. Okay. Uh, originally drafted by Calgary out of the NCAA, tore up the college level. Calgary got wind that he wasn't reporting, so he was involved in the Hamilton trade that uh, sent his rights to Carolina. And Carolina took a chance that they'd be able to convince him to play there. They were unsuccessful, and he played out his entire college career and signed as a free agent this past summer with uh, the Rangers. 
New York Rangers, yeah. And in fact, I think Carolina might have traded his rights and the Rangers signed him, actually. Either way, he's a Ranger. And uh, I think he doesn't have the same kind of fantasy upside as um, McCarr, Hughes, and um, uh, Brandstrom. But he's not far below. He is at like the top of the next tier for those guys. Uh, More fantasy relevant than Dante Fabro. Um, kind of right in, in between there. Uh, and he's got a really good opportunity in uh, in New York right now, too. Uh, so he's a player that I think you might want to uh, either add him as a as a player or, or sign him as a, as a free agent or put him on your watch list. Okay, yeah, well, I'm seeing that he definitely made the team. It looks like third pairing to start, uh, but power play, too, potentially. So... Uh, We'll see, you know, what kind of deployment he can get in his first year. There were some people talking to Brian and I about how, like, Adam Fox could maybe even challenge Jacob Truba for top power play deployment. Doesn't look like that's happening. We're seeing, like, the guys you'd expect, Panarin, Zabanajad, Kreider, like, Kako Truba, or, or maybe Buchnevich instead of Kako on the top power play. Uh, but yeah, maybe Adam Fox will get some offensive opportunities, and then I guess he'll have to earn more minutes, maybe, if, if he starts in the third pairing. But definitely someone to watch in the future. But uh, I'm definitely happy to see that Jacob Truba is going to get the proper deployment after getting traded to the Rangers. I've been waiting forever for him to be a top power play defenseman. He finally got a taste of it yesterday. Yesterday. <laughs> Last year. Just feels like just yesterday. Last year on, on Winnipeg, and now I'm really excited to see what he can do a full year with Panarin and company on the top power play. But we were talking about Adam Fox, but there's so many other rookies on the Rangers. I guess we've got Kravtsov, who got sent to the minors, but I know that you talked about him, and he's a guy that a lot of people are excited about, if not this year, then in the future. And then, of course, Capo Kako. So would that be okay to like go right to the top of your list, since we're on the Rangers anyways, and talk about a really high pedigree prospect in in Kako yeah man for sure uh I'm kind of really surprised that Kravtsov didn't make the Rangers I had him in a third line role behind Kako maybe second line role um projecting 32 points for him Kako I've got him in the 50 point neighborhood uh kind of projection range um I mean, everybody should be pretty well versed with him. He went second overall and he was contention for for first overall. So um, obviously he's a he's a very legit, (laughs) very legit prospect with a with a pretty strong pedigree. Um, And he should be considered a, a lock for a Calder candidate. Yeah, for sure. Like, there's not much we can say about Kapokako that hasn't already been said. I guess one interesting thing on the Rangers is, right, like, we already knew for a while now that their plan is to roll Buchnevich on the top line with Zibanejad and Panarin, and then Kako and Kreider, and we thought maybe they'd be centered by Philip Hedl, but Hedl actually got sent down to the minors yesterday. So it's looking like Ryan Strom is going to be the second line center on the New York Rangers to start the season. So there's a guy that I guess wow. you could add to your watch list, though. I mean, I don't know. It's been so long. Like, there was a time when everyone was excited about Ryan Strom. Now, I'm not so sure. By the way, I will clarify, it was Kako on the top power play, Buchnevich on the second power play, as of their latest line combinations, though. Yeah, Buchnevich on the top line at even strength. Well, there you go. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's very, like, it's not as exciting for Kako. Like, when he first got drafted, people were thinking, and then when the Rangers, you know, signed Panarin, it was like, oh my God, what if Kako plays on the top line with Zibanejad and Panarin? It looks like that won't happen at least to start the year. But hey, top power play, and all it takes is for Buchnevich to get in the doghouse again, like he does every year. Next thing you know, Kako's top line. So, if anything, maybe you could trade for him if he has a slow start, and then things could get better as the season goes on. Rookies tend to start a little bit hotter and then kind of cool off as the season goes on. So who knows? Who knows, right? Uh, But he played against men in pro hockey last year and uh, did not look out of place at all, which had a lot to do with garnering him uh, first overall contention in uh, 
consideration for the draft. And then at the draft in Vancouver, uh, a lot of the people who I interviewed talked about who would you draft first in the fantasy league, Hughes or Kako? And well, everyone kind of agreed that Hughes was uh, the long-term better player that in an immediate first season that a lot of people think Kako might be able to outperform Jack Hughes in their rookie seasons. Yeah, like that's what, yeah, we were saying too. I think that I projected in our almanac that we did over the summer, which thanks very much for mentioning it on your podcast. That was really nice of you. Uh, but yeah, like I think we, Brian and I both projected Kako ahead of Hughes, but we've sort of changed our minds with these preseason line combinations, which is maybe too knee-jerk, but kind of hard to argue with wanting the guy playing with Gusev over the guy playing with Ryan Strom. So that's why maybe I'm liking Hughes a little better right now, but I, I wouldn't forget about Kako for sure, even if he's not gonna be on the top line to start the season. Uh, all right. So I guess we could go down the list now a little bit from Kako. Yeah. So let's let's drop down. There's two players on uh, on the Ducks that I think are worth talking about. Maxime Contois and uh, Sam Steele. And I don't think he qualifies as a rookie because he played too many games. But Troy Terry is another prospect player who will be playing full time that you want to keep your eye on. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't rule out Max Jones uh, from Anaheim as well. Uh, Anaheim's kind of in a retooling stage they're going to be shifting towards some youth um so this is a good opportunity to pick up some of those guys uh and try and hit pay dirt with them yeah well and they're getting good deployment like it looks like anaheim is really going to try to roll with these young players like i was seeing the latest line combos had like comptois and troy terry playing with ryan getzlaff and then we all remember sam Steele at the end of last year centering raquel and silverberg and doing really well so yeah i agree that all these guys can definitely do something and comptois also gives you that value in the uh, bangers leagues because yeah he hits and and also if he's playing with ryan getzlaff then all the better so i'm into like all these anaheim rookies i'm very curious to see uh, which of them will do well, if if any, or maybe even all of them could do well. Obviously, Anaheim has to score goals. Like last year, they struggled at times, but I'm expecting like a bounce back for Raquel. I'm hoping Getzlaff still has something left, and if both of those guys have it, then they could definitely be helped by and also help like Steele, Terry, and Comptois for sure. So all guys definitely to watch. Yeah, Steele and, and Terry would be at the top of my list, and then probably Comptois. My red flag with him is. Um, Last year with the Ducks, he had like two goals and five assists. But then at the World Juniors, um, his goal production was five goals and one assist in six games. So he's more of a goal scorer than an assist player. And what concerns me about that is, while he's got great skills and hands, um, if he doesn't have the vision to create plays as well, then that might hinder his um, opportunities at the NHL level. Right, yeah. Well, I mean, if he's playing with Ryan Getzlaff, then hopefully he could learn a lesson or two of how to create some offense. But yeah, we'll have to right. wait and see. By the way, his picture on uh, Dauber's Frozen Tools, its uh, he's got a really awkward mustache going. He needs to either grow that out or shave <laughs> it, I think. This is like one of the worst player pictures I've seen in a while. <laughs> Just my opinion. I don't know what the young kids are, you know, styling their stashes up like nowadays. Maybe this is the style, but... I is it a Dirty Sanchez? Yeah, it is. It's like, what are you doing? That's going to <laughs> Okay, I didn't know that. That's interesting. <laughs> All right. So that's Anaheim. Uh, by the way, yeah. I'll just throw it out there. Gibson. In- I don't know. I guess I shouldn't get into other fantasy. I'm so excited to talk about so much fantasy news. I guess we'll get to the rest on Sunday. Yeah, Gibson might play. So I don't know. Some people I saw were rushing to grab uh, Ryan Miller because Gibson might be injured. But then I'm seeing Gibson was skating yesterday. So 
whatever. Okay, so we're done with Anaheim for now. Where do you want to go next? Uh, I'm starting to run out of players. Uh, we're getting kind of close to the top of the list. Um, right. There's a couple defensemen. I mentioned them briefly earlier, but Quinn Hughes and Cam Lacar, these guys are also hard locks for Calder candidate. Um, Quinn Hughes is just so silky smooth, and I like a lot of the options he has to play with in Vancouver, especially on the power play with, with Pedersen. Um, and Cal McCarr, I think it won't take long for him to play his way into the number one defenseman role in Colorado as a rookie. Um, he just dominated NCAA. He looked great for Team Canada. He looked great for Colorado in the playoffs last year when he made his debut. Um, and, and I know I said earlier, like, you know, be careful when you see the small sample size at the end of the season. But I mean, we're talking NHL playoffs. This isn't a situation where he came on and eliminated team in the AHL and played five games and had four points. No, man, he played in the NHL playoffs and look great doing it. Um, he's going to hit the ground running this season and just run away with it. A look for him to be in the 50 point range. Yeah, that's a uh, Cal McCarr you're talking about. Yeah. Okay, I should say Kale McCarr. Sorry, Kale, don't call me Cal McCarr. Yeah, both Hughes and McCarr <laughs> at one point were both looking like they were going to be manning their team's top power plays. McCarr, not surprisingly, because the competition isn't there like on Vancouver. And, but on Vancouver, we were surprised. I think what we did on an episode a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about how Hughes was on the top power play and Edler was on the second power play, though I'm seeing that maybe that's been shaken around. So obviously that's what happens in preseason. That's why you can't get too excited about preseason lines, though I believe I tweeted at a beat writer for Vancouver and they were saying they were expecting Hughes to man the top power play for the Canucks so we'll have to wait and see what happens there it could be the kind of thing where just by the end of the year he's on the top power play and either way there's even strength there's a lot of opportunities for him to put up points and yeah I'm expecting a big year for him as well but if you had to pick between the two you got to go Kale McCarr right playing with McKinnon Ranson and Landeskog and Kadri on that loaded Colorado top power play and also team in general yeah it, it, it's no question in my mind but if Quinn Hughes is my consolation prize I get over missing out on Kalmakar pretty quickly. Yeah, and that's for next year. What about like long term? Who do you think is a better pedigree prospect? Like, who would you want to own in your dynasty league? Uh, I think it's a coin toss, really. Oh wow, okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty high on both of them. Colorado's going to be an interesting team this year. Uh, I know he's not a rookie, but like Sam Girard and O'Brien had nothing but great things to say about Girard for next season. And so if he could also hit and like, you know, take advantage of an increased opportunity, like they could actually be a pretty decent team defensively. Don't forget, they still have Eric Johnson and their offense. They really, you know, fleshed it out by adding Kadri and Burakovsky and Donskoy. And we'll see what Tyson Jost could do. So this Colorado team and, then you know, if Grubauer could keep up what he was doing at the end of last year in the playoffs, I, I really like this team. I think they're going to make the playoffs again. And who knows what could happen from there. Yeah, the the wild card for me is is where are, where are they in net with Frankur and uh, and Grubauer in between the pipes as their as their go to options there. But uh, keeping the puck out of the net might not be their forte. But Colorado will not have a hard time filling the other team's goal, and Kalmakar will have a lot to do with that. Yeah, for sure. And I guess, yeah, the goaltending is so interesting, right? Because Grubauer, like, I feel like a lot of people are super high on him now because we remember the last thing we saw of him was in the playoffs and the end of last season just dominating. But you do have to remember, like, we're getting questions, oh, should I draft, like, I, I don't know, like Gibson or Grubauer or something like that. And it's kind of like, well, Grubauer's never played a full season as a starter. So, like, the upside is clearly there, but there's also some downside. Like, what if he can't 
cut it playing a full season as a starting goalie. So you'll have to wait and see. I feel like he's like a bit of a high risk, high reward guy. I've got him in one league, but I didn't draft him in the Kukupful, the league where I uh, care the most about. So for that one, I let someone else get Grubauer and I got Carey Price, who I'm hoping can continue his bounce back that he started last year. But okay, we're supposed to be talking about rookies. Sorry for, uh, again, very excited. Uh, Where do you want to go next? We still have a few names that I'm excited to talk about. Uh, sure. Uh, so uh, we haven't talked about Jack Hughes yet. Um, a little bit. We, we, we touched on him, but man, New Jersey really, and his line mate, um, Gusev, I think these two are going to be at the top of the, well, if Gusev were a rookie, that they'd both be at the top of the rookie scoring all season long. Uh, I, I saw a little bit of chemistry from these guys in a preseason clip that I saw come across my feed on Twitter. It was like a little give and go, give and go. Hey, how are you now? There's a goal. Um, I, I'd really love to own either or both of these players. And New Jersey did a really great job of, of shoring up their roster this offseason, um, adding those two guys and uh, Wayne Simmons and P.K. Subban. Um, look for a big bounce back in goal from Corey Schneider, too. I really think he's um, going to be back at form this season. I've always been a big fan of his. And the fact that he didn't win a hockey game in a calendar year just kind of blows my mind. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So I think that's a good buy low opportunity for all you fantasy uh, listeners out there. Um, but yeah, no, Jack Hughes, uh, I have him in the the 50 point forecast range for the season. And I have Gusev even higher. I have him north of 60 points for this season as, as a first year. I think he's got the ability to impact the NHL in a very similar fashion that Panarin has since he came over from Russia, too. Yeah, we talked about him on the podcast a lot. Obviously, I don't even think Gusev is a sleeper anymore with how much everyone's been pumping him up. But yeah, he led the KHL in scoring last year. He did better in the KHL than someone like Dadanov ever did. And we've seen Dadanov come in and get like 70 plus points. Like, I feel like if I'm going to compare a, a KHL production, I'm looking at more like a Panarin, you know, or a Radulov when I'm looking at Gusev. So yeah, very exciting. And uh, looking at the line combos that we've had going, that's looking like we're going with into the season. By the way, I'm getting these line combos from a lot of different people. I'm actually uh, following a new Twitter account that uh, we're very close friends with. The person who made okay, I'll just uh, I made this Twitter account and I've been like using it to retweet <laughs> line combos uh, at Game Day Lines. This is a project I I decided to do. My, my wife's out of town. Actually, she's on vacation traveling with her family, so I've had some free time. So I made a Twitter account at Game Day Lines where I just followed all the beat writers that I like, and then like during the day while I'm at work, whenever I have a free second, I just browse all their tweets. And if I see any tweet with like line combinations, like practice lines or game day lines, then I just like retweet it out. So it's like a pretty handy resource. Just go and see what the latest practice lines are because i'm always wanting to reference these anyways that's at game day lines if you want to follow it but yeah uh what i was gonna say is new jersey's line so it's looking like hall he sheer palmary top line and then gusev hughes and jesper bratt for the second line but uh, i think like brad and wayne simmons have sort of been taking turns uh on the right wing of that second line but either way and then the power play also looks like it's kind of separated which doesn't sound like great news for hughes and gusev because the new jersey's also weird with their power play they, they have still looks like they were rolling Zajac and simmons palmary hall suban on the top power play and then gusev hughes brat severson and nico he on the second power play so it's basically like all the best players but not taylor hall and suban on one and then hall and suban and palmary and a couple others on the other so it's, it's a weird mix but i guess they're trying to spread it out so we'll see how that goes all that to say i don't even know I, i'm with you i love hughes and gusev i think they're both gonna have great years i think he is gonna have a great year palmary i'm really into the devils as well how about devils avalanche stanley cup finals i feel like that's not totally out of the question that would be a fun finals to look at in, in a few months from now that would be a very exciting hockey to watch i'd 
sign me up for that. <laughs> uh, by the way, though, I'll just throw it out there again. Jesper Bratt, he's probably available in your league. Goose Evan Hughes probably are not. Uh, and Brad, if he's playing with Hughes and Goose Evan, even strengthened on the power play, this is a guy that could do something. So I would grab him, and then, you know, you could always drop him if it doesn't work out. But he's someone on my radar for sure. I added him in the cupful. Uh, so, okay, now that we've done Hughes, we've done Kako, we've done Makar, there is one guy I definitely want to ask you about who I brought up right at the start of the show, Cody Glass on the Vegas Golden Knights. So he's, I believe, their first ever draft pick. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, so he's finally looking like he's going to make the team. And not only is he going to make the team, but again, line combos today at practice for Vegas. So Marcia Carlson Smith, line one, no surprise. Pacioretty, Stone, and Cody Glass centering the second line. Paul Stasny down on line three. So that's like such, I was definitely not expecting that. So going into the season, Cody Glass might be a top six guy. He was also skating on the top power play with Stasny, Pacioretty, Theodore, and Mark Stone. And then, like, yeah, they also are kind of splitting things up with Marshall So Carlson. This is also a very stacked team. How about uh, Vegas and Colorado could be the Western Conference Finals? But, okay. Uh, yeah, like, uh, so this Cody Glass, another guy, kind of like a Olafson where or Nick Suzuki, where maybe I wasn't too high on him back when you did your podcast, you know, a month ago. But now, with this opportunity, I feel like the sky's got to be the limit. Yeah, man. Um, so you say he's he's made the team to start the season. So that's half the battle right there. And then so you take a look at the what have you done for me lately? Well, he finished the season last year uh, in the AHL, played six games, had five points. So, OK, that's nice. That's a small sample size. But what's the bigger picture? Well, the bigger picture backs up reason to be excited for this season. He's a sixth overall pick, um, as you pointed out, Vegas's um, first ever uh, draft pick. Uh, he played uh, from the WHL. He had 69 points in 38 games last year with Portland Winterhawks. Uh, he put up six points in five games with Canada at the World Juniors last year. So he had a, just an amazing season last year, even though he only played 38 games. Um, and in his, uh, the year before that, he had 102 points in 64 games. So almost two points a game production. Um, the kid's legit. Um, I talked to some some scouts when I watched him play at the top prospects game uh, when he was there in it was in Quebec that year. And uh, Shane Malloy was the guy I was talking to. And he was his favorite player from that draft. He spoke very highly of him. So I have a lot of uh, respect for what Shane has to say about prospects. And he's got a, a pretty good eye for it. Um, so, yeah, man, I, I don't see any reason to doubt his uh, full time uh, fantasy impact upside in the nhl this year and I, I you know he's made the team um of course he's gotta play his way into the position all year long but i don't see any reason why he can't do that um he's got good size he's smart he plays the game two-way uh he's been a captain he's been a leader he's very mature he's got you know he's 6'2 180 190 something like that um i'd be happy to own him in my fantasy league this season yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, it's the kind of thing where I do see one reason why he can't hold the top six, and that's just because Paul Stasny is a really good player. And I would be surprised to see him pushing down Stasny all year long. But at least at the start of the year, if you're looking at a free agent ad to start, then grab Cody Glass and ride him for as long as he's there and producing. And then you could always uh, drop him if it's not working out. And yeah, long term, he's looking really good. So yeah, just a, definitely a guy to have on your radar. And I'll admit he like wasn't on my radar until literally today. <laughs> like I saw he was going to make the team, but also like Alex Tuck was injured. So I was like, ah, oh, he's going to be in the bottom six and not even have someone great to play with. But yeah, this kind of changes everything. Right. Yeah, he, he, he's he got roster competition for sure, right? Carlson, Stastny, Eakin. But 
I'm not saying that he's going to be a, a lock for the top six all season long, but I'd be surprised if he wasn't on the team all season. Right. And actually, I think that it is important to add that context. I believe Cody Eakin is injured right now. So that might be another reason why they maybe decided to spread things around and get Stasny in the third line. So who knows, like once Eakin is healthy, yeah, they might sh- shake things all up again. And then Cody Glass is maybe in the bottom six. So yeah, for now, grab him and then you could always <laughs> reassess later. Uh, do you have, I have a couple other names I could think of, or at least one right now. Do you have anyone else that you wanted to bring up? Uh, go ahead, man. So there is uh, Alexandre Texier on the Columbus Blue Jackets, who yep. played a little bit last year, and he's been on our radar this year because another guy, actually, that seems to be getting a great opportunity for a lot of the preseason, he was playing on the top line on Columbus with Dubois and Atkinson. I remember Brian and I were debating like all summer long, like, was it going to be Josh Anderson or Gustav Nyquist, or who was going to be playing on that top line? Then, like, this preseason, it's been, like, either Alexander Texier or Nick Foligno. So, who knows what Tortorella's doing, and I'm sure that's going to change a bunch of times, but definitely a guy we need to talk about. Is he a high-pedigree prospect or just someone that is interesting because he's on the top line, but nothing much else to him? Yep, he's legit. He was a second-round pick in 2017, I believe it was. Uh, He's... um, um, he's from France. Um, yeah, but he played last year uh, in the pro league in, in Finland in the in the, uh, the Liga. He had 41 points in 55 games. Uh, so that is playing against you know, good pro competition. And he came over and, and had a cup of coffee in the NHL. Looked pretty good. Uh, finished the season in the AHL. Had a point a game there. And played in the playoffs last year with Columbus too. And had three points in eight games uh, with the Blue Jackets, looked really good in the series against Tampa, if memory serves me correctly. Um, so, yeah, I think it's very, very legit that he's going to play on the roster all season long. Uh, his fan tracks ownership is is pretty low. Uh, I would put him, he's a winger, so I would put him behind uh, Nyquist and Felino for the most part, and he'd be competing with Bjorkstrand and Anderson, uh, maybe Sonny Milano for... Um, for for ice time um but yeah i think he's got the ability to you know be in the 30 to 40 point range this season yeah i mean definitely another guy if he's getting good deployment you got to have him on your radar and then we'll just see if he could hold it see how much he could uh, stay in the good graces of john tortorella Uh, another guy who's sort of getting a weird deployment as of today's practice lines i'm looking at chip alexander tweeting out carolina lines today and martin nichas was on the fourth line so absolutely nowhere was looking like stall sveshnikov teravine and aho niederreiter and brock mcginn i don't know how that happens then howla with the zingle martin nook and then nichas with like walmark and fogel so on that on that hand you'd be like okay forget about nichas for now but then he's also been playing on the top power play with aho stall nichas nino niederreiter and jake gardner so uh what what do we do with a guy like martin nichas and maybe obviously you are looking more long term than just today's practice lines is he a guy who was on your radar going into the season yeah, um, I like Carolina a lot. They, they've got a lot of really great young players and prospects. Uh, Ron Francis did a fantastic job of retooling that franchise, and I'm really excited to see what he does with Seattle. And I thought he got summarily dismissed from, from Carolina. He inherited a sinking ship, as most GMs do, uh, and he did a fantastic job of acquiring assets for a rebuild, like draft picks and prospects. Um, and you know, he's a high pedigree. He's a first round pick 12th overall from the 17 draft. Um, but the the problem for him is he's got such competition like Tara Vinan, Sveshnikov, 
Niederreiter, Dezingle, Martinuk, Fogel, like they got options in, in Carolina. So uh, where does he fit in? Um, I suppose time will tell, but it's a good problem to have if, if you're the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, they got a lot of really great B players. Not so many A's, but a lot of good B's. Um, so can he rise above being a, a, a B fantasy value kind of player and, and become a an A minus maybe? Possibly. I think he's certainly got the pedigree uh, to do it, he played in the AHL last season as a rookie and had 52 points in 64 games. Uh, Charlotte won the Calder Cup, and he had 13 points in 18 games and was a real driving force for them all season long. Um, World Junior, international play, and he's looked good at pretty much every level he's played at um, with a very small sample size of seven NHL games under his belt uh, and only two points there. But, I mean, what was his deployment in those games? So he's a he's a player that I think has a challenge for ice time this season. But, yes, I really do like his uh, long-term fantasy value and upside. All right, so definitely we need to keep our eye on Nietzsche. So that's an exciting crop of rookies. I've still got, okay, this is what I've got for you, and then I'll definitely let you go. But uh, I've got two more forwards I could think of that I want to get your thoughts on that have made their teams. And then three goalies that maybe we could quickly get your thoughts on. So for the forwards, one guy who I didn't even think he was a rookie, but I'm looking at Fantrax now, and he is regarded as one. So I guess I definitely want to talk about Alexander Nylander on Chicago, who got traded in the offseason for Yoki Haru, and I guess it was like a reclamation project because Nylander had a lot of trouble making the Sabres lineup, and obviously he's going to be getting a great opportunity. Another guy that's been skating on the top line. What's with these coaches? Is this like a new trend that coaches are going to put their rookies on top lines to really let them shine? Because as of the latest Chicago Blackhawks practice, we had Taves, Kane, Nylander. So you can't get much better than that for even strength deployment. Uh, so is this a guy that you have any faith in at this point? Or are you like the Buffalo Sabres and you've kind of given up on him? Well, I did own him in one of my fantasy leagues earlier in the summer. And I, I don't I don't own him anymore. That was before the trade to Chicago. So that kind of changes things a little bit. You know, he's got a, a fresh start and a change of scenery. He's a number eight overall draft pick. Uh, he's only 21 years old. Um, he's, he was dominant for Sweden at the world juniors. Um, when I really started to, uh, take a shine to him, uh, nine points in seven games back in 2016, not so bad experts say, uh, he's really just kind of struggled in, in North America, but I mean, he was drafted out of Europe. Um, sorry, no, he was drafted out of the OHL, but there was like some sort of, exemption clause that allowed him to go to the AHL um, because he was on loan to his OHL team. Uh, So anyways, as a 19 or 18 year old, he started playing in the AHL. Um, And that's a really challenging thing to do for, uh, for a lot of players. It's, you know, it's a pro league and you go from playing against kids in junior to against adults who are working for a living, right? Like this is their, their paycheck, their bread and butter. Um, so the competition is, uh, is tremendously higher at the AHL level than it is in the OHL. So he had a bit of a really slow adjustment um, and was certainly never able to have any sort of sustainable success at the NHL level with Buffalo. But Buffalo's a bit of a gong show anyways, right? So 
let's just kind of throw that out the window. Uh, look at his, his AHL record. Uh, what did he do last year? He had 31 points in 49 games. And the year before that, he had 27 points in 51 games. So that's, you know, half a point production as a 20-year-old in the AHL. Uh, that's not bad, right? And that was his second season. That was his sophomore slump season. Um, so I certainly wouldn't give up. He, he's got the skill level to be uh, a top six impact player. Do I have faith that he'll be able to to do that i obviously traded him for a reason right like i i got some advice from some pretty heady people when i was in at the draft in vancouver and i asked a couple of guys like hey man here's my fantasy roster uh what do you think of this prospect um and every time alex nylander came up everyone kind of looked at me like you know kind of like a grimacing face and shrugged their shoulders and like it's probably a good sell high opportunity while you have him Okay, so yeah, definitely right now, his value is probably at the highest, could be at the highest it'll ever be, right? Like with this like sort of excitement of him. Yeah, everyone's excited about this line combination. And, you know, two games in, it could change. And all of a sudden, he's in the bottom six, and everyone's forgotten about him. So maybe it is worth just trading him now. Maybe same for like someone like an Olafson, right? Like right now, everyone's talking about him might be a good opportunity to just trade him for someone that you can super rely on. Like if you could get a Jeff Skinner, for Olafson, I'd probably do that, even though right now he's ahead of Skinner in the depth chart. So Yeah, I'd, I'd trade Nylander for almost any of the players we've talked about on this podcast so far, but I've been wrong a lot. So, you know, like last season, um, I had two goalies that were backup goalies that I had to, to choose which one to keep, either Georgiev or Bennington. Oh, no. Guess which one I kept? Uh, well, Bennington came out of nowhere. That's a tough one. <laughs> but, he did uh, come out of nowhere. And like literally two weeks after I dropped him, not even two weeks after I dropped him, he went on that ridiculous tear and never looked back. And I've been drinking hard ever since. Yeah, I can <laughs> say that. So I, you didn't win your league, I'm taking it? No, that didn't help. Okay, well, this year, you'll, you'll, you'll get it this year. Okay, so, but speaking of goalies, let's just round out the show with three rookie goalies here. So we were already on New Jersey. You just lauded uh, Corey Schneider and said how you think he's going to have a big bounce back. So I guess that wouldn't be great news for Mackenzie Blackwood getting a lot of games. But if he does play, this New Jersey team is looking pretty good. And Blackwood had a really good run last year. So what is his like prospect pedigree? Is he someone that you could see getting a decent opportunity and doing well with it? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think the days of Corey Schneider playing 60 plus games a season are, are over, right? Like, while I think Schneider is going to have a bounce back, I don't think he's going to be in the 60 games, 40 wins kind of category. I think there'll be a little bit more of an even split um, so that they have two goalies who when come playoff time, if, if they're in a position to play in the playoffs, and I think they will, could possibly be, I so they will, but they could be, um, that they'll have, you know, fresh options and if they if they need to make a change then they'll got a guy that will uh that will not be too super cold either um so i I really like the idea of of both of those guys getting opportunities to play in games and and i i like the chances for new jersey winning a lot of games this year so uh, i wouldn't shy away from taking either of those goalies and if it's in a cap league i would certainly lean harder towards blackwood though well yeah for sure pennies for mackenzie blackwood right now the, the the cap value impact has a has a huge influence there, but if you take the cap out of it, uh, I, I'd be good with either one. Yeah, it's interesting. I've never actually been in a cap league. Every once in a while, we get questions or even people suggesting that we should like talk more about cap leagues, and it's like, I don't know, I don't have like these players' salaries on the top of my mind. I assume you want to get these entry level players on your team that are going to produce for nothing before they sign their first contract, especially with the contracts we've been seeing lately. Uh, but yeah, so New Jersey is going to be a very interesting situation. 
And I think, yeah, it could just be the case that Blackwood and Schneider are both worth owning, a lot like Rask and Halak last year on Boston. And obviously New Jersey saw the Bruins make it to the finals and, you know, have a a fresh Rask. So I think a lot of teams might be trying to emulate that. Uh, Okay, so then another team where we don't really know who the goalie is going to be is Columbus. I guess we were already at Columbus with Texier, so if I was a better host, I would have at that point also brought up Elvis Merzlikens, who is going to be battling with Corpusalo for the top goalie job. It looks like Corpusalo has the edge going into the season, but... Uh, we just actually talked to Kat Silverman last week, and she was a guest for our me- mega, like, four-hour draft episode that I can't believe we did. Uh, but uh, she was saying how she thinks, like, long-term Merzlikens is the one who actually looks like he could be a starter in the league, while Corpusalo, you know, she doesn't really see him as that kind of guy. So what are your thoughts on Merzlikens for next year and in the future? Um, so he's a player I haven't had a lot of opportunity to see too much. Um, so I don't have as strong an opinion about him. Most of my, uh, insight on him has come from other people that I've, I've listened to or things that I've read. Uh, one player they have in their system that I, that I am really kind of keen on because I have seen him play as, uh, Vinny Vehalainen. Uh, he has yeah, he didn't make the team this year. He's he's sent down to the minors already, but he's come across North America and he went undrafted several times. Uh, finally got drafted late, late, late by Columbus um, a year ago, I guess. And uh, I, I got really um, in, uh, excited about him as a goalie watching him play in the World Juniors. He was just dominant at times. And uh, I talked to some some guys who watch a lot of games in Finland um and they say that he is the best goalie in that league when he was over there um and that they're shocked that he hasn't hadn't been drafted uh i even spoke to a couple of scouts when i saw them at the draft or or prospect games or other games and i asked a couple of guys about him and they said yeah man he's we like him we think he's a great player um and i was like well how come you haven't drafted they're like well you know goalies (laughs) I was like, yes, I understand. Um, So I'm not saying that he's necessarily the the better, the secret long-term upside, but he's a player that I think is certainly someone who you might want to put on a watch list and just kind of see how he does in his first season in North America. And given that the current goaltending situation, it's not like he's buried behind any kind of legacy goaltender in Columbus either. So there's a chance that he might be able to kind of come out of nowhere in a year or two and and take that job away okay yeah that's definitely a good point so say that name again because i i, I don't know if everyone knows it veni vehalainen veni vehalainen okay so maybe a name for the future like you said i'm certainly pronouncing it wrong i'm certainly oh. pronouncing it wrong yeah, yeah okay well i think at least elvis merzlikens were getting right i don't know how you could uh, say that differently and he's a guy i'm watching i guess in my opinion columbus it's totally up in the air even more so than new jersey i feel like it could definitely go either way depending who plays better that's the goalie that tortorella is probably going to roll with and then yeah the last one to bring up is uh, thatcher demko over on vancouver so finally you know it's been a couple years of us wondering if maybe Demko would get a shot. Now, finally, he is going to make the team, but he's still, of course, behind Markstrom, who had a great year last year as the starter on not a great team, and now Vancouver might be a better team, so that could be good for Thatcher Demko, or it could be the situation where the Canucks are really going to push to finally make the playoffs, which means they're going to ride Markstrom, who's their established goalie, as opposed to maybe giving Demko a huge chance to shine. So, hard to say, but I know long-term we're expecting Demko to be the goalie of the future. What are your thoughts on what he's done so far in his junior career before he finally goes into the NHL? 
Yeah, so, you know, goalies are voodoo, and I'm not super great at predicting them, but I've really liked the uh, viewings I've had of Thatcher Demko and um, all of the stats and, and scouting reports and conversations I had with other people all really support and reinforce that uh, that he is a legit top-tier goalie prospect, and he is a probable future number one goalie in the NHL. Is that going to happen this year? Probably not. Um, And I also don't have a lot of confidence that Vancouver is going to be a very good team this year. I mean, they're young and they've got some really great fantasy relevant and exciting players to watch, but are they going to win a lot of games? I don't necessarily think so. And I think they're going to give up a lot of uh, shots on goal. If you look at their blue line, so I don't not sure if that's a, a situation that you want to expose your your goalie to 60 games worth. Um, and you've got Markstrom, who's an established number one goalie. Uh, he's got the he's got the contract that justifies and, and promotes him playing the lion's shares of the game. So I'd look at Demko as uh, this is his season to get exposure to the NHL, uh, you know, dip his toe in the pool, get a sense for for the league, start working on his little black book of shooter tendencies around the league, and and then maybe in about a year or two, really deploy him in a full-time basis. Uh, he also has some competition coming from below in Michael DiPietro. I really like Michael DiPietro. I've seen a lot more of him play, and um, while he's an undersized goalie, he's got that working against him. I just think that the kid is so mentally stable and... Uh, and able to absorb bad goals in bad games. And that's like 99% of being a, a successful goalie is, is being able to, you know, hey, we lost that game. No big deal. We'll win the next one. Or, oh, mm-hmm. that goal shouldn't have gone in. The next one won't, right? Like Patrick Waugh had that. Martin Brodeur had that. And uh, I, I see it in, in Di Pietro. So, uh, he, so he's got some, some pressure coming from behind, which will be good, right? Like a lot of goalies, when they don't have anyone coming up from behind, kind of get a little bit... Um, Complacent? Yes, in their position. And then all of a sudden, they, you know, a trade happens and they're like, oh, snap, put my game face on, right? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And also Markstrom is a free agent after this year. So I guess if Demko does really well and Di Pietro has a good year in the minors, maybe then the Canucks don't have to shell out big money to try to keep Markstrom. So yeah, it'll be an interesting season for the goalies for the Canucks, for sure. I, I feel like that vibe you're talking about, about a goalie being able to bounce back after a bad game, I saw that from Binnington last year in the playoffs. I feel like every time he had a bad game, he bounced back the next one when you thought, oh, I wonder if maybe they'll give Jake Allen the chance. It was like, no, definitely don't. Binnington is the one who's going to bounce back. Here's one more goalie for you that you didn't mention. Um, and he's a long shot for sure, but uh, I, I think he's got a, a really good uh, opportunity and upside is Alex Nedeljkovic, Carolina Hurricanes prospect. He's about 40% owned. Um, he played last season in the uh, AHL with Charlotte, played 51 games, won 34 of them, won a championship with them. And, you know, if you look up the roster at what the Carolina Hurricanes have on in goal right now, is, is there... You know, a, a legacy goalie playing for Carolina. As much as I like Peter Morazek, I, I don't think he fits that description. Um, so Alex Ndalkovich is a is a player who uh, I think could, in not the too distant future, uh, find himself playing in the NHL on a full time basis. 
Yeah, he's definitely an interesting guy because also, you know, James Reimer has had some injuries and we don't know, you know, if he just was struggling because he was on Florida or if maybe he doesn't have it anymore. So, yeah, I could definitely see a situation where Carolina has a goalie injury or one of their goalie struggles and then Nedeljkovic gets a call up. And then, yeah, I feel like he might just have just as good a chance as anyone else to end up getting more starts than the guy who's the incumbent. So, yeah, that's definitely a guy to watch as well. I'm glad you brought his name up. Uh, and it's funny how you were saying that Vancouver, like, might not be able to stop pucks. Like, they, saw, they spent all that money to get Tyler Myers for what if they're still gonna have trouble on defense but, <laughs> yeah but just because they spend a lot of money on a defenseman yeah doesn't mean it was a good move of course yeah Vancouver uh yeah just look at Louis Erickson for like if they spend or Brandon Sutter for uh, looking at how their track record is for spending money a weird team Vancouver uh had this like surprising news they waived Berchi and Nikolai Goldobin yesterday right. two guys who I thought were like locks to make the team and but now, not Erickson not Erickson, yeah. So yeah, I mean, Vancouver is is this paradox. They they make some really great moves. They've drafted phenomenally, um, and yet they they keep making other decisions that leave you scratching your head. Um, I don't know what to make of that team. Yeah. Uh, all I know is that I'm taking a look at Michael Furland in all of my leagues because it's looking like he's going to be playing on the top line with Betterson. Betterson. <laughs> That's what I call them. Besser and Pedersen. I call them Betterson. And they might be <laughs> playing with Michael Furland on the top line to start the year. So he's a guy to watch. Uh, all right. So I feel like we've done a pretty good job. I think we've talked about every single relevant rookie that's going to make the league, and even some that haven't made the league. Uh, if we missed one, I guess tweeted us at Keeping Carlson and at Farling, I believe. And uh, that's your Twitter, right? Farling? Yep, P H A R L I N G or D P R underscore show for the Dauber Prospects show Twitter handle. Okay, yeah. So I must follow, by the way, especially if you're interested in prospects. And yeah, tweeted us if it turns out that you think we missed anyone, but I think we got them. And now, uh, I guess before we close out the show, Who's your pick? Who's going to win the Calder this year if you had to pick someone? Jack Hughes. Okay, I was going to be basic and say Jack Hughes. I was ho- Maybe I should say Victor Olafson just to have fun, but no, <laughs> I-, I won't go there. Uh, let's just go Jack Hughes, yeah. Because like you say, if Gusev is going to be as amazing as we're expecting, obviously having exposure to him all year is going to be really nice. I don't know which other of these rookies is as guaranteed to be playing with a great player. I guess Capococco is the other obvious one, and then Kale McCarr, uh, but yeah. I'll go Hughes as well. So we're, we're kind of boring here. I'll wait for Brian to be on a show with me so I can argue with him about something. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, well, thanks so much, Peter, for coming on the show. Again, that's Dauber Prospects Radio. you, you got to subscribe to Peter's podcast, and he talks about prospects all year long. And follow him on Twitter, at Farling or at DPR underscore show. And thanks again for coming on, and thanks for everyone listening to this episode. Next time I talk to you, it's going to be with Brian, and we're going to be recapping... The first few games of the actual NHL regular season. I'm so excited. I already have like a million injuries to talk about. So hopefully the whole episode won't just be about talking about injuries. It's been a sad end to the preseason in that regard. But yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, yeah, if you want to subscribe to the show, you know, make sure you're locked in and get every episode of Keeping Carlson. We're going to try our best to help you win your league. So thanks again, Peter. Thanks again, listeners. And uh, talk to you soon.